podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. Luke chapter 17, verse 11 through 19 this morning. And my title for us is Be the One. Not the one that's always, there's always one, isn't there? Not that one. No, 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 no. Not the always one. Who's been in that room where there is always, there's always one, isn't there? Two in my family, actually. (laughs) There is always one. Not that one. Not that one. Okay? But to be the one. Let's see what the Lord's got to say to us this morning through his word in in Luke chapter 17. It's only four weeks, would you believe? And Kevin mentioned time this morning and how quickly it seems to pass. But there's only four weeks until Palm Sunday. Crazy. Time is flying. It only feels like we've just finished celebrating Christmas the, the year of January has only just got out of the way. And before you know it, it's almost April. So only four weeks and the beginning of Easter then and Passion Week. And time is always, but always moving so quickly. Spring is pretty much upon us. The daffodils declare. Oh, oh they declare the sunshine is around the corner. And we've had some beautiful weather, which is absolutely incredible. They are out. They are displaying all their beauty. The snowdrops have been and told us that spring is coming. The crocuses are now starting to bloom. If you get chance and you have a drive over to Babworth Church over in uh, Redford, Babworth, oh, the crocuses through the churchyard are just unbelievable. They are incredible. It's, it's an age-related thing, clearly. <laughs> There's the young ones going, ooh, it's awkward. No, it's worth the trip. They are shining bright, and as I've already mentioned, the grass is desperate and is in need of cutting, which does bring a slight amount of dread. I understand, I understand. But we're looking forward, the light evenings are on their way, and as we've said, a very, very, very welcome visitor. With that said, I wanted this morning, if we could, to meet together with Jesus and his disciples as he makes his way up to Jerusalem. Jesus knows what's to come as we look forward to the Easter period. Jesus is fully aware of what's to come. But nevertheless, Jesus is making his way up to Jerusalem because he is doing his father's will. He is fulfilling his father's will. So Jerusalem church then is the destination. And we meet up with Jesus in Luke chapter 17 verse 11 through 19 as he makes his way along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And the joke of course is that it was quite a large place. Well it was of Samaria anyway. Come on, if you're not, listen, if you're not going to work with me this morning we'll just stop now. Alan's like dreadful jokes, terrible. I try. Very trying. But he's in the border or on the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now we don't get an exact location. But it's certainly between areas occupied then by Samaritans on one side and Jews on the other. The borders then, the outskirts, were the places where you typically find the people that are in today's account. These people that we're going to meet with Jesus this morning are 
ostracised because of a disease that they have that's called leprosy. Ten men are in need of help. Let's see what Jesus can do. But more than that as well, let's have a look at what these men will also do in their reaction and what that teaches us today. Luke chapter 17, verse 11 through 19. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? As though he didn't know. Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So Jesus, as we meet him now on this road, is stopped by ten men who have leprosy. And leprosy is a, a horrible skin disease that they believed at this time was highly contagious. And so if you had leprosy, you were quite literally thrown out of the culture and the civilization that was happening. You were thrown out of society. And also, of course, then within the Jewish law, these men would be considered unclean. So they couldn't go to the temple and carry out or participate in the everyday worship. They were completely and utterly marginalised, ostracised from society. They were out on their own. And these men then stand at a distance and they shout to Jesus in verse 13. They say, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Firstly, they're from a distance. They knew who Jesus was. Perhaps they'd seen him before. Perhaps that's why they knew that he could help. Even from far off, they knew that this was Jesus. They knew that this man had disciples. They'd maybe seen him before. They'd maybe seen him perform miracles before. They knew clearly, as we see from how they acknowledge Jesus, they knew full well who he was. Jesus, Master, have pity on us, they say. They knew he could help. Secondly, then, their acknowledgement of Jesus as Master indicates to us then that they have an awareness of his authority. So not only do we know that this is Jesus, who some are saying is the Messiah, not only is that Jesus, but actually he has authority to do something about the situation that we are in. Imagine that. Having the confidence to shout, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Because they know that Jesus has authority. 
But then as we see, as Jesus replies to them in verse 14, and I'll just quickly read that. When he saw them, he said, and if this doesn't stop you in your tracks, nothing will. He said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And listen, and as they went, they were cleansed. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Listen, when you read that, does it not perk something up inside you that says, well, Jesus didn't actually say anything to him. It didn't look like he did anything. He just says, go and do the one thing you can't do. Go and do the one thing that you are not able to do. Go into society and mix with people. But more than that, go and see the priests who are in a position to say that you are clean. And to ritually cleanse you and say, and integrate you back into society. Now at that point, I probably would have gone, just a quick one Jesus. Before I rush off, um, you, you want me to go to a place I can't go, to people I can't see, to do what I clearly am unable to do. Yet yeah, listen... Their reaction is absolute. As they went, they were cleansed. Thirdly then, their response is the clearest sign yet that they know and believe that Jesus is absolutely able to heal them. And you say, Matt, how can you be so confident? They say nothing. They turn around and they do exactly what Jesus said. Church, if that's not faith in action, I don't know what is. Listen, they turn around and they go and they do exactly as Jesus said. And the Bible says, and as they went, they were cleansed. They took Jesus at his word. They took him at his word. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. Can you take him at his word this morning? That if you're willing to confess your sin, that he is faithful and just and will forgive you your sin. Are we willing to take Jesus at his word this morning? Or is it just words on a page? Is it just a bloke at the front, overly excited? Or is it the word of God? Is it what God has put in his word for us in order for us to see that he is able to do? He, when he says it, when he speaks it, church, it is absolute. He says, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. It's an amazing moment. And it teaches us, church, a lot. How we acknowledge and address Jesus first and foremost. Also, though, as we know and understand Jesus, how then do we respond to him? As we see the word, as we look at the cross and we see that it's empty and we see that love has won. As we see that there is a person in the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's taken away my sin and shame, who's dealt with all that on the cross. Do I view that in all its beauty and wonder? Do I acknowledge Jesus in all his authority who is able to deal with sin? You know, Jesus said to the guy who was lowered down through the roof, if you remember, his friends lowered him through the roof and they put him in front of Jesus' feet. 
And Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. And everybody was like, I'm pretty sure he's after, he's after healing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he wants to get up off his mat and walk. That's the whole reason. You see, Jesus saw past all that. And he said, what's easier for me to say? Son, your sins are forgiven. I'll take up your mat and go home. But so that you might believe that the Son of Man has authority on earth, take up your mat and go. The man was healed. Where was the miracle? The miracle was in his salvation. The miracle was in the moment when Jesus said, Son, your sins are forgiven. This is the God that we worship this morning. This is the God that we bring praise and adoration to. This is the God that I'm here to tell you about this morning. This is the God who is able to do. And these men take Jesus at his word. They turn and as they do, as they go, they are cleansed. And they go and show themselves to the priests. They need to do this. In order, as I've already said, to be cleansed ritually and reintegrated then back into society. But they could only be cleansed, of course, if they were healed. And it appears to me that they could only be healed if they went. Do you see that? They could only be healed if they went. If you look at the second half of 14, as they went, they were cleansed. You see, they have to step in faith and that church is faith in action and so often I believe as we look through the word of God we see that God says this is what I want you to do and you're like okay I'm waiting for it I am waiting and God's like you've got to step oh step you say I'm gonna need uh, gonna need a few things in order for me to step that's not how God works And these 10 men here show us that actually faith in action is that we turn and we step. They believe, they they declare, as we can declare this morning, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you can do what seems to be the impossible. And so I am willing to step. Amen? So often we see God work like this. Church, we have to step. But let's be absolutely certain, God does not disappoint. He does not disappoint. If God speaks it, make no mistake, it will happen. The 10 men received complete physical healing. They're reintegrated. And we can see that that is the case because only one of them returns. The question is, what were the other nine doing? Well, they were worshiping in the temple more than likely. And this one man returns, this Samaritan. Let's have a listen to verse 15 and 16. One of them, everybody say one of them, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. The one man who understood, the one man who got it, the one man who knew that this was Jesus Christ. The one man that understood that the Messiah had just healed him, turned round and came back to see Jesus. And there he was, praising God in a loud voice. Church, what a testimony, hey? You know, when we receive Christ as Saviour, what do we do? Button our lips. Don't tell anybody. Just keep it quiet. 
I got saved. Nobody needs to know. That's nonsense. It's not what my Bible says. When we've received Christ as Saviour, we want to declare it. We want to shout it from the rooftop. We want to tell people in a loud voice that God has saved me. Oh, what wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body of death. Thanks be to God. Amen. This is the joy that we have, the joy of our salvation. And the first thing I want to do is tell people. I want to declare it from the rooftops. You might think I'm a madman, but I can assure you I would much rather be judged by you than the maker of heaven and earth. Amen? So I will stand on the word of God. We as a church will stand on the word of God and there will be no deviation. Not to the left or to the right. Because we stick to what God has called us to do. And called us to be. To go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Baptising people. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is who we are. This is what we declare this morning. Church, the warning to heed for us then. In this beautiful facility that we find ourselves in. The warning to heed for us is not to become one of the nine. Surely Jesus' teaching here is to be the one. Surely Jesus' teaching here is to be the one. The one who knows what's been done for them. The one who knows what they've been saved from and what they've been saved to. I have been saved from the sickness of sin and death. And I have been saved to life. Surely our de declaration should be this morning to be the one. The one who praises and worships and lives daily for Christ. Amen. That's who we are called to be. We're called to be the one. Luke chapter 9 verse 23, Jesus calls us to take up our cross daily, to take up our cross and follow him, to continually put off our old self and to live for Christ. This isn't there, this account and the account that Jesus says in 9.23 is not there just to fill a space. Jesus meant it. And this church is only possible with the help of the Holy Spirit. But we have to let the Holy Spirit work. Less of me and more of him. That we might be filled to the overflowing. That the me is done with and dealt with. Jesus says also in Matthew 5 and verse 16. Let your light shine before others. That they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine. Before others, this man came back and he praised God in a loud voice. Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify you. No, nonsense. And may glorify your father in heaven. That is our role, our responsibility to bring glory to him, to let our light shine before others, to declare that we have been saved because of what Christ has done for us. Amen. Amen. To declare that I am set free from the, this, the bondage of sin and death, that love has won and I am on the winning side. The Alpha and the Omega has called my name and I have been set free. Church, let us make sure that we are the one. We know all that God has done for us and we live, church, to bring glory to him who is worthy. Amen.
This has been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk.